0: Hi everybody. This is Harriet Westmore with More Hair Products Galore podcasts. I am your host and creator of the More Hair Products Galore website www.morehairproductsgalore.com. This is the website where we primarily discuss about natural hair for women of color. And I will be having all kinds of hair-related discussions on this podcast. Welcome. This is my first episode, episode one. Just want to give you kind of a background of who I am. I am a essentially a hair product junkie. Um, I started the website More Hair Products Galore about September of 2020. So it's been about like maybe four months, maybe a little less than that. So I wanted to create a podcast that will um, gear towards natural hair and the struggles as we as women of color have to um, endure sometimes and what are the challenges and the triumphs of wearing natural hair. So I appreciate you guys listening and enjoy the show. I thought I'd start today with talking about our hair history um i think it's essential to kind of go back to where our hair came from from africa and how it transitioned over the centuries while we were here in america as enslaved as our ancestors were enslaved and how the evolution of how our hair has changed over those times so um, I, I encourage everybody to leave comments, your thoughts, your hair nightmares, your hair triumphs, and on my website, and I will give you all my contact information at the end of the show. All right. So again, thanks for listening. So here we go. I believe that hair is a centerpiece of women and a lot of men too. It's like a piece of accessory that we can take your whole look from drab to fabulous. For women of color, we have our good hair days and our frustrating and annoying hair days where our hair just simply refuses to cooperate and looks like a frizzy mess. I know I've had many of those days. We also dread the upcoming wash days and the thought of spending our whole days detangling. Knowing all that, most of us won't give up on our hair. I know for me, my wash day for my hair, right now I'm wearing, braids but my wash days are usually Sundays and I have like shoulder length natural hair but again you know it takes several hours for me to detangle and wash and condition and do my little concoction of styling and the styling of the products and making sure my hair is moisturized so I mean it, it does it takes it takes a while We wanna give this our strands a proper TLC because when it's healthy, it's luscious looking. A luscious looking mane really elevates our game, giving us a boost of confidence. I, for one, know a lot of Black women who don't mind speak, spending loads of money at, at a time, You know, going to the salon, getting their hair did, as we say, getting in the braids, a silk press, or buying some bundles. That, that same amount of money will never go to the grocery store because they simply place the priority on their hair Some people do I, I can't say all but I, I know I've spent too much on hair products and you know I, I if it's a choice between getting groceries well I'll make sure I have groceries in the house don't get me wrong but you know I, I do spend some money on hair products. Hair is something that a lot of African-Americans cherish and rightfully so. I might even go as far as saying that we have a love affair with our hair. I know I have a love-hate relationship with my hair. All right, but my point is with saying that is that one of the most important elements in the African-American life is the importance of our hair. And that can be traced back to centuries of Africans before us, which brings me to the topic of, I'm sorry, brings me to the topic of discussion today. The history of African-American hair. I thought in this episode we'll take a trip down memory lane to get an insight on how hair became so important to us as African-Americans. I believe information like this is important so that we can connect to our roots I know a lot of Black people who do not know the history of Black hair, particularly our younger generation. They may or may not know and the significance that our hair has held in Africa. So let's get educated by learning what hair meant to our ancestors. First, while they were in Africa to the period they lived in America, and then let's assess the detriment effect of how we as Black Americans keep our hair in today's present period. All right, the hair story dates back to before the 15th century. A lot of my sources that I um, received were um, from Essence articles. Um, One particular is Respecting Our Roots, A Brief History of Our Braids, an anthropology volume from the library called Hair Stories, and also Untangling the Roots of Black Hair in America. Those were great resources if you guys want to check that out. Different ethnicities in Africa had different hair textures, patterns, and styles varying from dreadlocks in ancient Egypt and Nyambia. But before I continue the podcast, I'd like to state that there is nothing dreadful about locks, hence dreadlocks, nothing dreadful about that. I simply use that word for the purpose for you guys who may not know the hairstyle I'm referring to. All right, back to the podcast. Kinky twists of the Mendekan tribes, threaded hairstyles in Congo and Ghana, looser curls of the Ashanti braids from the Fulani tribe. Senegals had their hair curled up and linked and then piled up on the top of their heads in the shape of a pointy hat. Although the hairstyles of ancient Africans in various regions differed, there was a common understanding and recognition that their hair held a number of significance ranging from social significance, aesthetic value, spiritual importance, but most importantly of all, their hair gave them a sense of identity. So each tribe had their own sense of style and you can pretty much recognize what tribe you came from by the style of their hair. With that way, someone who wore their hair, you could know the person's age group, marital status, ethnicity, family background, religion, wealth, and their rank in society. Hair wasn't just to our people, it was highly symbolic. People with long, full hair were known to be rich because they had access to expensive oils and products needed for maintaining their strands. The bigger the person's natural hair, the healthier it was. Big hair signified wealth. In age group, the older women who wore their hair in updos while the young girls in the Wolof culture of Senegal, who were not ready to get married, partially shaved their hair to look less appealing. Hmm, that's interesting. Those with um, short dreadlocks in front of their faces in the Nyambia tribe were young girls going through puberty, while those with dreadlocks tied back their hair who were interested in marriage. People of royal backgrounds wore hats or headpieces and adorned their hair with elaborate beads as a symbol of their prestige. You can really figure out a person by what hairstyle they had. And then in the 15th century, the transatlantic slave trade happened. A countless number of Africans from various ethnicities were forced, and even worse, when I read it, were sold by their fellow Africans into slave ships that took them to Europe. I know a lot of people don't realize that, you know, Europeans weren't the only slave traders. There were also other Africans who were slave traders. They captured their own, basically, or other tribes, and sell them to the Europeans into slavery. From Europe, they were sold to other countries, including America. It was noteworthy among the Europeans that the hairstyles of the Africans they enslaved were very elaborate braids and twists, locked adorned with shells Beads and some had stripes of cloth material woven and threaded into their locks. This was something to note because these Africans had very little in the way of clothing. While their hairstyles were very elaborate out there, their clothing in comparison was pretty much basic pieces. So we can conclude from this that their hair was clearly more important to them and it was like the major highlight of their appearance. The European slave traders saw all of this, but yet one of the first things they did to these African slaves was put a razor to the beautiful hair that they cherished so much. I believe this was somewhat of a power move to show that Africans that they no longer own themselves to render themselves powerless and take away whatever little sense of identity that they had. This was done to show who was in charge. These slaves were stripped of something that held to them so much cultural significance, and I believe they wanted the slave to have zero identities. Pretty much, just erase their identity, culture, and you know, it was just the utmost disrespect by you know shaving their heads because their hair was their you know strength. There was their sign of um, respect, the sign of dignity, a sign of beauty from where they came from. It was like the case of if their slave owners wanted them to jump, you know, the slaves would have to ask, you know, their master how high, or maybe, you know, (laughs) that may be an exaggeration, but I mean, still slaves had really had no choice in the matter. You know, how, how how awful is that to suddenly be snatched away from everything that you've known, to go to a foreign country and being forced to do, you know, things and be at a beck and call of another human being, another human being that has power over you and you there's nothing you can do about it. It's hard for you to know who's staring back at you. You feel like you cannot recognize yourself. I mean, when you look at yourself in the mirror, can you imagine looking at yourself in the mirror? You know, you're already stripped of your identity, you're stripped of your hair, and you look at yourself in the mirror and, you know, imagine what you see. You know, all that beautiful hair that you've grown and nourished, you know, this taken away from you. Our people felt like they had lost the most important part of themselves. This whole process was disguised by the slave traders as sanitation purposes. That's what they said. They said um, this was to keep you know, our the slave ships or whatever sanitized, which I can't see how that happened, because if you know African history and how slaves were transported here they were packed like sardines so sanitation was not an issue apparently but that's what they that's what the traders used as an excuse as to cut and raise and shave off african's hair the shaving was a means of trying to alienate them from their heritage that they've been a part of all their life like i said before Hair was never just about hair. Hair was never, it was just a sense of identity. The slave in Columbia who grew their hair for a bit braided it in a map pattern and signal to use for escape and to send messages to other slaves. That was interesting. I'm imagining a scenario where maybe five braids meant, okay, you go East or 10 braids may say, you go due north or braids that are on top of your head every which way may be translated as sloppy mountains okay I'm, I'm just kidding but I'm just saying you know it was just clever very genius of you know having a, a map you know on top of your head by, by way of a certain way you braid this is why I say that we are just so ingenious and so creative of how, you know, things we we do. You know, we do it in, in such a way that no one would ever know. No one from the outside would ever realize. In Louisiana in 1789, a law was passed that required black women to cover their hair in public. I mean, I've heard of religious reasons why this happens, but the reason for this one particularly was to distract the men from working because it it, it was a distraction, I guess, from men who were working. As usual, black women became creative with the way they tie their hair and use beautiful fabric to cover their hair with style. I've seen old pictures of African hair and the and the hair wraps and everything, it's just beautiful. So a law that was created to stifle their beauty, ironically, drew more attention to it. As the years passed, slavery, um, excuse me, slavery grew to be accepted and was the new norm among the whites. For the new generation of slaves in the 18th century, it became okay for them to grow their hair but the major issue of how to maintain and care for the hair was, you know, came in question. Before they were enslaved, that—that that is, while they were still in Africa, what they used to take care of their hair was wooden picks, which was like a comb with three picks, shea butter, oils, and a shea powder. But in this new continent, none of that was available. So I'm sure a lot of you listeners know that black hair isn't the easiest to take care of. Even if these people weren't slaves and were allowed to use white people's hair products, it still wouldn't do the job. So there was no really no products at all for black slaves to use. So they had to be creative once again. And out of desperation, they used bacon grease, butter, and kerosene oil to their hair. oh kerosene. Can you putting kerosene here? Kerosene oil in your hair? Ugh. That's just, I mean, I, I don't know. I can I can see the ba- bacon grease and the butter and, the, you know, things like that, but putting kerosene oil in your hair? I, I can you imagine? Hope, that, you know, didn't come close to a fire. That would have been all bad. imagine the smell eventually the slave owners only allowed them to comb and groom their hair once a week and that was on Sunday when they went to church so when they did for the rest of the week they wrapped their hair tightly in cloths and scarves so that their hair wouldn't get too matted or tangled so they only wore their hair out to church I've discovered that we're not the first to do this. You know, sleeping with a bonnet or a scarf on your hair to protect your style, this dates back to our ancestors. The slaves who worked in plantation couldn't wear their hair out because it was not considered tidy. So they had to put it in cornrows. This was a better option for them because we as women of color know cornrows are functional and easier to manage. The word corn rolls, quote unquote, by the way, was coined by the Europeans who thought that hairstyle looked like rolls of corn in the field. Hmm. I looked at pictures online of cornfields and I see the comparison, but I don't know. I'm assuming a lot of you listeners have heard the term Becky with the good hair. That describes a white woman with good hair. Basically, the term, quote unquote, good hair was coined and described as straight hair that dated back to the 18th century during slavery. And this was the period that colorism, brainwashing started to develop. This was done by Europeans to shame our skin color and hair. When put in an advertisement for a runaway slave, they use words like, quote, dark-skinned Negro with bushy hair, unquote. So yeah, our ancestors were likened to a wild bush. Can you believe that? Also, the slave owners did not believe that African hair was real hair because they called it, they regarded it as wool. Then they made scarring jokes that African grew animal hair out of their heads. You know, if people constantly make jokes that you should be an animal simply because your hair feels different then what they think, hair shift feel like. You start to feel hatred for your hair, just like the Africans did at this period. You know, being called nappy-headed and all of that. I mean, after a while, that does begin to become ingrained in your psyche by hearing that. And and, and I think that's a lot of the, you know, things that we hear today, it, it stems from, you know, slavery. We have that innate, um, that innate you know, uh, feeling of being less than or inferior, you know, with if for those who have kinky hair. I mean, that was always, that's always the issue, you know, supposed to be the straighter the hair. If you have good hair, quote unquote, good hair, which is straight, you know, the better you are. And it was also, you know, you were also favored better by um, slaves if you were had more features um, of light skin versus dark skin. And that, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother area to go off into as far as the colorism. So from that point, you know, Africans started styling their hair to make it look like white hair. Some went to went to um, great lengths just to make their hair less black. The black men and women put their hair in hot chemicals so that hot, you know, will burn your scalp and then comb it back to make it straight. That must have been a lot of heat damage. I remember, and we all, anybody out there who knows, um, back in the day when our, hair any of us who are maybe 40 or over remember knows about that hot comb and um having your hair done with the hot comb because i know i had my hair done my grandmother she had her own um, beauty shop and she used to um straighten our hair and i remember you know we all remember we all know what it's like to sit in that kitchen or wherever and sit there with that towel over our shoulders and scrunching up and getting burnt. You know, hopefully not, hope fearing not to get burnt. Hopefully we won't get burnt with that scorch of getting that piece of hair in our, what we call the kitchen in the back, you know, just so our hair can be straight. And, you know, I was young. So as a kid, you know, I'm running around Outside and playing, and my hair, what would we call, turned back <laughs> to its original state. What less than two weeks, if that long? In 1845, hot combs were invented by the French, and were made available to Americans. I didn't know it was that far back. I don't know. I thought it was like the late 1800s, early into the 1900s, but it, apparently it was in the eight, you know, 1845. Um, it was Madame C.J. Walker, a black woman, who improved the design by whining the teeth because the original design was a fine tooth comb created for straight hair. Now, put a pin on that. Now, I don't know um, anybody who watched um, the uh, Netflix movie Self Made, which was based on Madame C.J. Walker um, being the first black millionaire woman um who created um hair products actually it was annie malone who was actually um madam cj walker's mentor she's the one who actually create was the first millionaire who created um hair care hair products for the black for black women for the hair i'm just saying you know there was a big controversy about that, so I, I did some checking, and it was actually, you know, Annie Malone. But Madame C.J. Walker is more um, well known. But you know, we all knew about the hot comb, and you know the amount of damage and the, and the headache that we would get by, you know, before we get that hot comb in our hair, you gotta you know get those kinks out so you had to keep you know yanking taking the comb and just yanking your hair just combing that you know all those kinks through your hair in order to put that hot comb in there and you know our hair is just fragile it is and so can you know looking back on it now you know we're a little more savvy about you know being you know having hair care with our hair but back then you know our parents, our moms and grandmothers, and they would just yank our hair. up, oh, and I would, you know, come back. We just have a headache, <laughs> and that was even before you got your hair straightened. So, so after the hot comb, then came the um, popularity of the relaxer. How many of us remember the relaxer? People still do it today. I remember when my trends um, form from transition from having my hair pressed and curled to getting a relaxer in my hair. Uh, I thought I was the stuff, you know, and it, you know, having my hair, putting those, that hot chemical in my hair, that, that that lie. That's exactly what it is. It was lie. L Y E. Putting it in your hair and sitting there for a minute and wait until it starts burning, then you gotta quickly rinse it out and then your hair will be straight. The stuff that we do for our hair, I, I tell you, I, I you know, you look back on this stuff, I was like, wow. Um, I, it was found that relaxers was seemed like it was a better option than a hot comb. Because it, it 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 lasts longer, you know. You can get the touch up what, every eight to twelve weeks, supposedly. So, you know, but people starting to get away from that because of you know it, it's you're putting actually putting lie in your hair, and I don't care if you know you get the box like Dark and Lovely and all of that um, it says no lie, but you got to have some kind of lie. What kind of you know in order to relax. Your curl pattern, so there has to be some some sort of um, like chemical in in the product in order for it to make the hair, you know, straight. At some form, it might not be as much as um, I used to get um, the Affirm. I've tried it all. I'm telling you, I've tried. I had the Affirm relaxer. I had um, what was it, Oil of K? I've had. Oh gosh, I can't even designer touch. I've had it all. I've had it all. When um, slavery was abolished in 1865, racism was still prevalent. Black people with less black features and more white traits were granted more opportunities. Most African-American women were wearing straight hair and press and curl hairstyles, as we were talking about. Housekeeping jobs were more lucrative and would hire only what we call mulattoes back in the day. They were light-skinned women were called mulattoes, um, which was basically a mixed mixture of white and black heritage. While most of the blacks could only work on in the plantations. in the media, you know, to promote when they were advertising for, um, certain, um, product like soap or perfume, they would often use a black woman with kinky hair as the, before you use the soap and then a white woman with straight hair as the after. This was so vast to the extent that a black church had to be, had to be created for black people to go to because of the colorism issue. Black people with white features started to see themselves as superior to other black people and form their own social group. I think this still happens to this day where we think, where some people may think light-skinned women are prettier than ebony black-skinned women. Um, again, you know, that that's that deep colorism. It's very deep-rooted in our culture. Hey guys, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Yes, it is free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It wasn't until the Black Power Movement in the 60s that people started to realize that there was nothing wrong with natural hair. Black Afros became a a symbolic of uh, of the revolution, the empowerment. And we, as Blacks started wearing our hair out, the civil rights movement popularized the acceptance of African-American hair. And many african americans wanted to show their support and pride of their heritage so they started emulating the afro style and that created the the movement of black is beautiful and black pride and the black panthers all black the back in the 60s the true black panthers you know all of them had afros and that's the popular afro comb was handled and shaped like a fist to remember the black power salute I don't know any of us who were born in that era remembers uh, you know having that uh, pick with the black power fist throughout the 70s into the late 70s and early 80s From Afro, it evolved the, yes, you guessed it, the Soul Glow Jerry Curl. (laughs) The Jerry Curl was like a soft, glossy, loose, permanent curls. And it was made popular by entertainers like Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie you know we all had our i know i had the the jerry curl i had the carefree curl and it did it made your hair it did grow your hair out fast because you had to keep your hair moisturized so wearing you know the other than wearing that stupid curl back, <laughs> um, you had to keep spraying that um carefree curl moisturizer and activator you know my hair was like way past my shoulders so i thought i was the stuff So, you know, after the curl and, you know, from the eighties and then going into the nineties, um, African-Americans mostly adopted hairstyles that most influential African-Americans wore in the media. That's when the braids came out with the movie. Remember the movie, Poetic Justice, Janet Jackson had the box braids. So that started to come. The braids are starting to come in, and then they um, started adopting the locks, um, like Bob Marley. And then, you know, of course, Erica Badu um, hairstyle evolved, and that the people were starting to um, emulate some of the styles that she wore. And I remember um, when Tony Braxton first came out. With the relaxed hair, I wanted their hair like Tony Braxton. I know I had my hair cut short like that. Um, you had like um, Erica Badu again in Lauren Hill. We had the finger waves, the French rose to the straight weaves inspired by Aaliyah in Destiny's Child. Many African-Americans were accepting their hair while some others were still conforming to European standards of beauty. Around 2010, there was a surge in the number of women of color wearing their natural hair up. This was called the natural hair movement. The movement was made and still made possible by the availability of numerous resources on the internet and in real life to help African-American women care for their hair. One of the main root reasons for this movement grew was because a lot of people discovered the cancerous effects of relaxers and other straightening chemicals. At this time, this was a per- period of wokeness and we became woke. I remember hearing something about what relaxers actually do. It actually seeps, that relaxer, that lies seeps through your head into your, your brain. I forgot where I um heard that. I saw that on something, some kind of documentary or something. And, and you know, after knowing that, I'm like, why am I, you know, frying my hair like that? Just to, you know, keep get it straight. So that's when a lot of us as women, we decided to, you know, put those chemicals down and just started wearing our hair natural, trying to transition now that's the hardest part of transitioning from um, your hair relaxed to your natural state of hair. Um, so a lot of us did the big chop where we just chopped up all the, the relaxer out of our hair and just start from scratch. Um, experience by cutting off the relaxed hair and feeling your coils and kinks in your hand is like was like an eye opener. Reports show that as of 2011, relaxer sales had gone down by 26% since 2006. As more African-Americans prefer to spend money on hair care products that they had so that they can have healthy hair, which they can wear out. And that the black hair care industry has become a billion dollar corporation. The frustrating things about this is that black women on only 7% of this billion dollar industry. Black women today are wearing their style in a variety of styles. Some are natural, some are relaxed, and some are protective styles such as braids and twists and faux locks and weaves. Something to note is how the weave industry has geometrically progressed. Bundles are more expensive than they ever were and wigs have become a girl's best friend, mostly because of its comfortability. I mean, as soon as you're back from work, you can remove it and let your hair breathe. You can wear a wig during the day and then take it off at, you know, in the evening. We still have a long way to go, but I love that not only we are embracing our natural hair with maximum force, we are also fighting for it to be widely accepted. The other day, there was an outrage in the black community when a screenshot of a Google search, images of professional hairstyles versus images of unprofessional hairstyles went viral. I don't know if anybody um, knows that uh, or have seen that um, that Google, that search engine um, went viral. And basically it was implying that, you know, the professional look was one way. And then like the natural hair was considered an unprofessional look. So that that raised a lot of controversy and outrage from, um, from us as um, natural hair wearers, you know. Just because we wear our hair does not mean that it's not professional. That's part of us. And, um, you know, our hair shouldn't define who we are as you know individual it's a part of us but how is our hair you know um defining our skill as far as in the workplace but that you know and that that's that's one of the topics that i really want to address on these um shows upcoming podcast shows because it, it is i mean you is still an issue. So, I mean, that's basically it. Um, I just wanted to kind of give a background in the history of our hair and how far we have came from um, being, our ancestors being over in Africa to what we had to endure and the detriment of what our hair had to endure as being enslaved in America. Um, you know, it's still an issue. Our, our hair, we're the only race of where our hair is a controversy. For some, you know, why? Why is our hair, you know, have to be in question? You know, it's it, it's a part of our identity. It's part of who we are. you want to hit me up um i love to hear feedback comments questions um if you have any topics relating to um, natural hair care or hair products that you want to for me to feature on the show um contact me at contact at more m-o-o-r-e hair products galore.com that's contact at more m-o-o-r-e hair products com, and um i will um you know create a, a a topic that we you know of your choice of what, what you want to talk about i appreciate you um you guys um please hit subscribe and leave a comment um like i said any questions concerns or anything that you'd like me to address on the podcast on upcoming shows, please hit me up and visit my website as well at morehairproductsgalore.com. More, M-O-O-R-E, hairproductsgalore.com. Thank you. Talk to you next week.